I want to start off tonight's lesson with a question, um, and I, I need your help um, because your answer is going to uh, factor into an example I'm going to give later this lesson. So I need to know who is like, I don't know, the most popular person in society. Like who, who's someone super popular? Miles. Someone who's still alive, preferably. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so uh, Devin. Oprah. Oprah's pretty famous, yeah. What's some other? Stella. Who? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yeah, that's a pretty popular one. Kaya, you got one? Tom Holland? Is that Spider Spider-Man? Okay. Joa, who, who do you think is the most popular person in society? Tom Brady? Tom Brady's pretty popular. Matt, do you have one? Oh, sure, yeah. Okay, so I need to take a vote because I need to find out who you think is the most popular person in society. So raise your hand if you think Tom Holland is the most popular person in society. We got, so the sixth and seventh grade girls small group. Got it. Okay, so uh, <laughs> who in here thinks Tom Brady is the most popular person in society? You just said that? Okay, well, yeah. Okay, a couple of them. Uh, what well, you said Oprah. Uh, who thinks Oprah is, pro out of the ones that we said, who's, who do you think Oprah is more popular? Does anybody know Oprah? She was. Oh, my. Right. Yes, exactly. Uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Raise your hand if you think Dwayne The Rock Johnson. All those people is the most popular. Okay, so... Let, let, let's go with The Rock. Let, let's use The Rock as our um, analogy for tonight. So let's say you and your best friend. So think in your mind, your best friend, okay? You're sitting together for lunch, let's say tomorrow. You, you, you have lunch together with your best friend. And your best friend turns to you and says, you wouldn't believe who I met at Uncle Bob's and had ice cream with. It was Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And he was standing in line in front of me and bought my ice cream for me and wanted to sit down with me and have a conversation at the table. Now, I don't know about you, but if my best friend just said that to me, I would be like, there is no way Dwayne The Rock Johnson was at Uncle Bob's in Eureka. There's no way. If, if, I, if it was up to me, I would have to ask my friend, um, for some proof that The Rock was actually at Uncle Bob's. I would need to see pictures. I would need to see some evidence, see a signature or something to prove that my best friend was really telling the truth. Now, I don't know about you, but what, what proof would you need to, to see that your best friend was telling the truth that Dwayne The Rock Johnson had ice cream, bought ice cream for you, and had ice cream with you at Uncle Bob's. You need to see something, right? What, Joe, what would you need to see as proof? You need a phone number, yeah, to, to prove it? Max, what would you need to see as proof? Bruises from him <laughs> doing wrestling moves. That's hilarious. Um, so you need some type of, of evidence, some type of proof. Well, if you've been at Hype at All this past year, um, you know that we've been going through the Gospel of John this entire school year. Uh, and up until this point, we've seen Jesus claiming that he is God in flesh, that he is the Messiah, the Savior that the prophets in the Old Testament talked about. This is something that would be crazy for the average person to hear. I mean, you have uh, another human being 
that you're in contact with, declaring that he is God. But we see throughout Jesus' three-year earthly ministry, um, him doing many miracles and signs that shows he is who he says he is. But still, the majority of the Jewish leaders have doubted that Jesus is actually the Son of God, and they have accused Jesus for lying, and they're so angry with him that they want him to die. They don't believe the claim that Jesus is really God's Son. They believe um, that there is not enough proof. There's not enough proof. But there's a problem. Jesus is gaining popularity among the people. He's teaching things that are contrary to what they're teaching. And the Jewish leaders are so angry with Jesus that they think it's best to have him crucified on a cross. And this is what we talked about last week. This is the story that we covered, the crucifixion of Jesus. And it would have seemed that the Jewish religious leaders were correct. As Jesus dies and is buried in a tomb with a huge stone covering it. Now, how could someone who declares he is God be dead? Now, what happens next? And the story catches everyone off guard, even Jesus' disciples. So, if you... Um, I have no idea what just happened there. So, if you are... Uh, if you have your scripture notebook with you, please turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Okay, John chapter 20, verse 1. Okay, John 20, starting in verse 1, we're going to read through 18. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other dis disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. At that, Peter and the other disciples went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then also went in, saw, and believed. For they did not yet understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said in, Arama in Aramaic, 
Rabboni, which means teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them what he had said to her. Thank you, Amber. Okay, so I got slides back, so we're good. We're good in town. So let's pause here for a second and just kind of reflect what we have just read. I mean, here we see followers of Jesus, both men and women, having mixed reactions to finding the tomb empty. Is this your scripture notebook? Oh, that's your pen. Okay. They have mixed reactions to finding the empty tomb. Mary Magdalene and other women, upon seeing the empty tomb, thought that Jesus was still dead, but that his body had been taken away. Peter and John, on the other hand, believed that Jesus was alive, but they didn't understand how or what it meant. And then we see Jesus revealing himself to Mary Magdalene first. And this is key. This is key to jot down. So this is your first blank. Jesus reveals himself to Mary Magdalene first. Now think about this for a moment. Women in society during this time period were not seen as credible sources. Next blank. Women in society during this time period were not seen as credible sources. But Jesus decides to reveal himself to Mary first. A woman who had at one point, seven demons in her and were cast out by Jesus. Someone who would not has, have been seen as credible at all. And you think that this would hurt the testimony of believers. But shockingly, this is actually one of the proofs to believe in the resurrection. You think that a story like this would receive no credibility, would not be used at all to prove Jesus is real to prove the resurrection, but shockingly, this is one of the proofs to believe in the resurrection. Women were the first to spread the news about Jesus' resurrection. Again, let's think about this for a moment. This is going to be some deep thinking. I need you to be ready. I need you to ha heads up, look at and pay attention, strap on a theological seatbelt, and I need you to think about this deeply with me. If Jesus was just a made-up story a hoax, and he wasn't really God in flesh, but rather just some crazy human trying to rebel against society, wouldn't his followers make a story that was the most sense, the most credible in order to sway people to believe in it? Like, that would make sense. If, if Jesus was not who he was, not who he said he was, if Jesus was some phony, his followers would try to make up a story that's believable enough to have other people believe in it. And if that was the case, even if that was the case, how many people do you think would be willing to die for a lie? Willingly die for a lie. That's, that's not what we see. We see Jesus' disciples being willing to die because they had the truth. They knew Jesus is God. The majority of disciples would be killed by persecution. They believe not they believed because not only did the women see Jesus rise from the grave, but they also saw the risen Jesus as well. And so let's keep reading to see what happens next because Jesus appears to more than just Mary Magdalene. So 
pick up your scripture notebooks again, and let's start reading John 20, verse 19. So pick up your scripture notebooks. If you have them with you, if you don't, I have it on the screen. So John 20, verse 19. When it was evening on the first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, called twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples were telling him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hand, and put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand on, into his side, I will never believe. A week later, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas was with them. And even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Don't be faithless, but believe. Thomas responded to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Okay, so three things to note from this second part and final part of the passage in John chapter 20. There's three things. First thing is this. Jesus brings peace. This is your next blank. Jesus brings peace. Peace. This is something that Jesus said three times throughout this portion of Scripture. Every time he showed up, rightfully so, people are going to be a little startled with the doors locked, and you think you're the only ones in that room, and Jesus, who you think is dead and has risen, supposedly, shows up. It's going to startle you a little bit. I'd be scared. I'd be, I'd be trembling in fear, probably hiding in the corner, just not knowing what's going to happen. But he says, peace be with you multiple times so we can note that Jesus does not bring terror, but Jesus brings peace. How does this happen? In verses 19 through 23, we see this multiple times, um, and we see Jesus talking about um, that because of his love, um, he has provided the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins so that we can have a right relationship with God. Having a right relationship with God provides us peace. And because of that, and if you look in verses like 20, it talks about, not 20, uh, in verses 23, sorry, it talks about forgiveness of sins. Having a right relationship with God, accepting Jesus as your, your Lord and Savior, provides you forgiveness from your sins, providing you peace. The second thing that we note in this passage is that true believers submit to Jesus. We see this um, in the first passage that we read uh, from Mary Magdalene. So if you flip back a couple verses um, to John 20, 
verses uh, 11. In uh, John 20, verses um, 12, she uh, says, She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been laying, one on the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord. That's a key word to underline Lord. Um, And then in verses 24 through 29, we see where Thomas is presented with the person of Jesus. And what is Thomas's response in verse 28 when he sees Jesus and puts his hand on his, the holes in his hand and the hole in his side? He says, my Lord and my God. Now, what, what are we saying when we declare Jesus as Lord? This is something that's important that the disciples call Jesus. He is Lord. Lord, think of, when you think of Jesus as Lord, think of Jesus as your king. And if you have a king, you submit to that authority, to that king, right? You don't try to one-up the king. You don't try to go around the king. You don't try to rebel against the king. No, that's, if you do that in a kingdom, you might get your head cut off. You submit to the king. And so when we say Jesus is Lord, we are uh, attributing to him kingship. We're saying that we're going to submit to him as Lord, as a servant, as a human. We are submitting to God as king of our lives. Now, when Thomas says, my Lord and my God, we see the second thing Jesus uh, is a reason to submit to. When we say Jesus is our God, we are, see- we are saying Jesus is our creator. We're attributing Jesus to something higher than just a human. So yes, he is king. He has all authority, but he is also God, and so he has the ultimate authority. He is something other than merely just a human. He is God. And so when we are met with the reality of Jesus's resurrection, when we are met with the reality that he is who he says he is. He is fully man, fully God. He died for us. And when, when we see that reality and we can prove that to be true, the appropriate response is to say, you are my Lord and my God. He has all authority over our lives. He controls our lives. We submit to his authority. We follow his plans for our lives and we declare him to be God. We declare him to be creator. We declare him to be divine, something above us. He is our God. The third thing that we see in this second part of the passage that um, in John 20 is this, that believers receive eternal life. This is your last blank. Believers receive eternal life. John writes this in verse 30. In 31, uh, or 31, he says, but these are written, so this is John, the author of the book that we are studying through this whole year, he says, these are written, this is the whole purpose of why I'm writing this book to you. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing, the result of belief is that you may have life in his name. So number three, believers receive eternal life. These are written so that you may have life. 
important. This is life beyond our earthly life. This is life eternal with God in heaven. This is not condemnation. We don't have to worry about being condemned to hell. We don't have to worry about being separated from God, not having relationship with God, being dead spiritually. John's saying, if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you believe that he is and was and always will be God in flesh, like God, the, the second person of the Trinity, that you will have spiritual life, that you will have a right relationship with God, that you don't have to fear spiritual death, that you can have eternal life with God in heaven. So those are the big three things that we see in this uh, second passage in John 20. Jesus, we see Jesus brings peace, true believers submit to Jesus, and believers receive eternal life. Now, at the end of this, I just want to close real quick before we go into small groups and just ask this question. What should our response be to this truth? Anytime that you read Scripture, anytime you read the Bible, you need to look out for a, a truth, a principle, something that you can see that is, is true about something about who God is and who we are as humans. And so you need to, you need to find a, a truth statement whenever you read the Bible. When, whatever passage you read, it's all divine truth, so all of it is truth, but I challenge you when you study it, find a truth statement and then respond with it. What should my response be to this truth? And so when we say this truth, we're saying that the truth that Jesus is actually God, that the resurrection actually happened, that it's not a made-up story, that there are reasons why to prove the resurrection, that it actually happened. And so this is a truth statement. This is a fact. And so what should our response be to this truth? You know, one, if you have not yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, an appropriate response to this truth is to confess your sin to God. Acknowledge that you need to be saved from your sins. Ask God to forgive you and declare Jesus as Lord of your life. To come before God, recognize that you are a sinner recognize that you need forgiveness, that you need a right relationship with God, and confess that to Him. Pray that to Him. Say, God, like, I need you. Please forgive me. Please take over my life. Please become my Lord today, God. I confess that you are my Lord and my God. Second, if you have already accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, an appropriate response to this truth is to ask the Spirit to show you areas of your life where you sin and desire to control your life. And when God reveals those to you, I pray that you would repent and confess your sin and ask for forgiveness. So even though we might already confess, Jesus, you are my Lord and my God, the reality is when I'm, or you, are a believer, we still sin. And what happens when we sin is because we choose to serve ourselves, we, we choose to worship ourselves instead of worshiping God, which means this, that there's an area of our lives when we sin that we haven't completely submitted to God in fully. And so there's always room to see where I still need to make Jesus more Lord of my life. I can confess it. I can believe it. But I don't live it out perfectly. I still sin as a believer. I still choose to live for myself sometimes. And, and this happened to me this week, and I don't think Amber will mind me sharing. But so this week was, was a busy week. I had a lot going on work-wise, and I, and I put off um, some work things that I had to bring home for this weekend. And this weekend, I was really busy. I was doing some things, 
And the big thing that we like to teach students here at Hype is what? To spend time with Jesus. Read your Bibles, right? Pray. Like, that's a big thing that we always talk about in large group and in small groups, right? Hopefully, yes, you hear that message. Hey, spend time with Jesus. Read your Bibles. Yeah? Yeah? Can I confess something? I haven't read my Bible yesterday or today. I haven't really spent time with Jesus. Because I deemed things more important, things about my job, I deemed... Uh, resting and leisure, certain leisure activities more important than resting in Jesus as my Lord and my God. And so me, as your student pastor, guess what? I still sin as well. I'm not perfect. And so I need to continue to confess where I don't have Jesus as my complete Lord. I need to confess and repent of that sin and turn to Him, and run to Him, and spend time with Him, read my Bible, pray to Him, confess that I need Him in my life. And so, no matter where you're at spiritually, we have an opportunity to respond to truth tonight. And I just pray that you would consider this, and you would um, take small groups seriously tonight, that you would um, really be able to uh, answer questions well, talk with your small group leaders, that you would be able to dialogue with your leaders, and that you would be able to um, really be able to provide good conversation, be honest, be vulnerable with your small group leaders as you go into small groups tonight.